Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey Life Church, good morning. So great and honored to be here. My name is John Burns and I am the founding pastor of what is now Relate Church 35 years ago. I was a dentist and I decided that the best thing in life is church. So actually made the huge, crazy, if you will, jump from being a dentist where you have security and everything else to planting a church, which I had no idea how to do. And now 35 years later, I've handed the baton on to my daughter. She's our lead pastor now. And I get to just uh, be friends to a lot of pastors like yours. And I'm so blessed to be able to be here for your pastors and to be able to speak a word that I really believe is a word for you, for every one of us, for this time that we live in. You've been in a series called Wake Up the House. Oh, what a great name of a series. Wake Up the House. And of course, when I hear wake up, I can't think of anything except what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5. And he says in verse 14, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So really, awake means um, stop acting like you're dead. Stop, stop uh, with you know with your hand you know head in the sand waiting for another day. Awake really means would you just come alive to the present? It means actually engage what's happening right now. Wake up! I remember as a kid, <laughs> I was the I was just the worst in school, and one of the problems I would have is I would be daydreaming all the time. You know, I was someplace else doing something else, and and my teacher would come and John, wake up! Are, are you here? Are you with us? And so to wake up means to come into the present tense. And I think today we have opportunities all around us that are so, so powerful. And the, the best time to take advantage of opportunities is in the worst times, the most difficult times, because that's the times that make the biggest difference. And we, as the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have answers and we need to live those answers present tense. My wife and I were driving the other morning and she told me again some news that now the government says you you can't do this, this, this without passports. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk about passports or that or whatever, but what, what I felt as soon as she told me that, as I felt what, what the general public would feel is like another, oh no, it's like deflated again. And I really believe that we have a, an epidemic and it's, it started out as an epidemic of a virus called COVID. And then I think it, it, it quickly, if not at the same time, became an, an epidemic of fear. And now I really believe we have an epidemic of hopelessness. And this hopelessness in the world that we live in today really needs to have an example, an answer in an example, which is us. Because you know that Jesus is the hope of the world. We have hope, and his name is Jesus. But Jesus and the hope that we talk about in him is eternal. 
And that's really good. But how does that actually translate into today, every day, right now, present tense? See, what hope is, is a, is a picture of a desired future. And when we don't see that desired future coming, the Bible actually tells us in Proverbs 13, 12, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think our world is getting sicker and sicker as the hope, like this thing's gonna go away, like we're gonna have this and it's gonna be back to normal and this and this and this. Recognize, understand, it's not, it, it, it's not happening. So what do we do in the face of this pandemic of hopelessness? And I think that even the church today seems hopeless in so many ways. And one of the ways I, I think that we actually can, can read that is the language. Listen to what people are saying. Because often you'll hear language like, um, well, we're not back to where, what we should be. We're, we're like 60% of, as, as if we're going to go yesterday. We're not going backwards. We can learn from yesterday, but we have to live forwards tomorrow. And we have to actually go forward with a vision, with a hope of what can happen in our world. And hopelessness, I think the biggest the biggest problem of it is it drains us of purpose. And purpose is the muscle of life. You are as strong as your purpose. Your marriage, your finances, your health, your, your everyday walk is only as strong as your purpose. But when we lose that picture of a desired future, when hopelessness robs us, we actually lose purpose. And you know, um, it's been said of this, this 2021 year that we're living in, that it's actually the age of resignation. And you know, what do you mean? Well, in so many ways, all over the world, we're seeing resignations. People are resigning from jobs, from, from what they thought they'd do. And, and they're, they're, it's happening all over and it's happening huge. And to me, it is an example that we have lost a purpose in what we're doing. And how do we actually live that out, change the world? Well, we have to recognize we have hope. His name is Jesus. He is the hope of the world, but we are his hands, his feet. We are the Jesus the world actually, inter actually works with. That the world sees Jesus through us. So how do we translate this eternal hope, which by the way is the name of my message, wake up to eternal hope? How do we translate eternal hope into present tense hope? First Peter chapter 3 verse 15 tells us that we need to be, give, be, be able to give an answer to everyone that asks of this hope that we have. Give an answer. Why do you have this hope? And most people, you don't have to give an answer. Why? Because nobody's asking. Why? Because they're not seeing a difference. You can actually see hope. Hope in action. And hope in action is only seen in the face of challenge. Is only seen in the face of, of suffering or in the face of, of crisis. I don't know about you, but I think we got enough of that going on around us that the world actually could see some hope in us. See, 
This is what happens when challenge, when suffering, when crisis meets faith, hope is born. Let me say that again. When challenge, when suffering, when crisis meets faith, hope is born. What do you mean? Well, the world is watching you and they're going through the same thing, but they're wondering why? Are you doing so well? Why have you got that positive attitude? What are you on anyway? And see, that's our lifestyle needs to provoke the question. Why do you have this hope? And then we actually get to answer that. If we read on from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, Paul writes, and then he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. He's talking about present tense, not one day when we finally get this thing over with. No, redeem today, buy back, make today count for eternity. How do you do that? It's so important. He says, we're redeeming the time because the days are evil. See, you can't do that when there's not challenge, when there's not evil, when there's not crisis around us. But when there is, then this comes into play. And he says, walk circumspectly, which means keep your eyes open, 360 degrees all around you. Often we think God is gonna work in our life this way, but he's got so many other ways he can work in our life and we need to be always watching and aware. I believe every day, is pregnant with opportunity. It's full of opportunity. There's 86,400 of them every single day, every day for every one of us. There's opportunities to change the world. But so often we miss the opportunity. Why? Because we're not expecting it. We're waiting to get past this. We're waiting until this is over. Don't wake up to the eternal purpose of now. Because right now, we have the opportunities in front of us to make a huge difference for the world. People say, well, that's difficult. It's a challenge. You were created for easy. You and I were born again, filled with the Spirit, given the power and the love of God on the inside of us because there is a need for difficult. There's a need for, for us to rise up and do something. And when we rise up in the face of what seems to be taking everybody else out, people they recognize something and they're, they wanted to know what is it that we can do? We need to live with our eyes focused on eternal purpose. We have an eternal purpose. What is that? Well, it's heaven and hell. It's real. We is that. What is that? It's, it's, it's where are people going to spend the rest of eternity? That's eternal purpose. See, the bottom line, and, and I am a bottom line purpose, purpose person is one day this life will be over for every one of us. As far as I know, the death rate's still 100%, okay? And when that day's over, we will all give an account of what we did with what he gave us to do. And I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I actually live every day with that in mind. See, living every day with that in mind is living with an eternal purpose, it, it, it often translates into this language. In the eyes of eternity, what does this look like? In the light of eternity, how do I deal with this? In the light of eternity, what should I be thinking and doing right now? 
That's how we have this advantage. See, we can see long, long, long term. And when you can see long term, it helps you make steps today, right now. If you were to, to um, walk a straight line, or say you're a farmer and you wanna um, start and create this straight line of corn, okay? How do you do that? If you keep your eyes a few feet in front of you, you won't be able to do it. But if you keep your eyes on the horizon, as far as you can see, you will be able to take those steps along the way. And that's how eternal purpose. What's your eternal purpose? See, I think when you know your eternal purpose, one of the benefits is you know what you won't do. <laughs> you know what you can't do, and therefore you know what you can't not do. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of weird, but uh, John chapter 5, I was just teaching this not too long ago, and um, I look at verse 30, and Jesus says this. He says, I can of myself do nothing. <laughs> Jesus can do nothing? Come on, he's the son of God. He's all powerful. But he says, I can of myself. And he's talking about the father. So apart from the father, he says, I can do nothing. He says, as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the father who sent me. You see, the father and the son and the spirit are one. Jesus cannot be anything else. He cannot, not that he won't, he can't. He can't not do what the Father's will is. When I thought of that, I thought of what can't I not do? When you understand what can't I not do? Because do you know that when you become a Christian, you become one with him? He's in you and you're in him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, Paul writes and says, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So knowing your identity in Christ, what can't you not do? Okay, as you wake up and you go through this day, what can't you not do? I can't not love you. I can't not live to let you know about eternity. I can't not shut up about what Jesus has done in my life. I can't not. See, that's a really good question. What can't you not do? And when you understand that, you begin to understand what it means to live and walk every day in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, Paul writes and he says, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. A lot of people are concentrating on not doing something. Don't. Concentrate on doing something. Concentrate on walking with the Spirit. Because when you're walking with the Spirit, that lets you know what you can't not do. Do you understand that? You can't not is a double negative. So I'm not thinking about what I can't do. I'm thinking about what I can't not do. It's a positive. And when you live your life like that, you can make a difference. And Lately, I've, I've been, it's, it's been a difficult season. It's been a challenging season, really, for every single person. And, and in our world, there's been some, some major challenges. We've, we've lost some, some loved ones that have gone on into eternity. 
And um, one in particular, uh, probably my wife's closest friend for 35 years. She was on staff for us for 27 years. And she suddenly, it wasn't expected, but, but she died. And, and it was like a, a huge challenge. And when you think about eternity, and that's one thing that funerals do. I, I don't enjoy them. I don't look forward to them. But I recognize how powerful they are because they are a slap in the face of reality. Reality is there's an eternity on the other side of this short-lived life. And you need to actually think about and do whatever it takes to, be, to make sure that you're there and the loved ones in your life are there. And one thing about Linda that was so amazing is uh, I don't know if there was anything she did not say. I mean, she, a lot of people die with regrets. I just wish I would have told my son or my daughter how much I love them. I wish I would have told my friend. I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have said that. And I don't know of anyone that could have more honestly said there was nothing left unsaid. And I think for every one of us, every day is full of opportunities again opportunities to change the world. And your words are so powerful. Opportunities to say those simple little things that changes the world. Things like, I love you, I'm proud of you. I don't know if I've ever told you. Um, <laughs> there's this little song that is kind of our family's, um, well, my mom and dad's favorite song. It's, have I told you lately that I love you? And I can't tell you how many times, even in a day, I will just sing that one little line for somebody because I want to make sure that they know again how much I love them. So opportunities today, what are they? Well, um, maybe there's people in your world that don't know. People in your world that you need to use your, your words for again. Why? Because you don't know how long you've got. But um, your words can make a difference for eternity. Another um, really difficult, challenging part of this season was we had a young man in our church that was just about 17. Um, he was one of the youngest uh, guys to be drafted for the NHL um, hockey team in Edmonton. And uh, uh, just like one of our grandkids, his parents are like kids to us. He grew up in the church and that. And uh, maybe you heard about there was an accident um, a few weeks ago where three young boys all died instantly. He was one of them. And his name was Caleb Reimer. And uh, it was it was so, so challenging so many ways. And, and so because he was such a, a hockey everything and all of his teammates and everything so loved him, there was three young men and, and there was so three funerals and two of them had already happened. And this was the third one. And I was the one that was asked to spec, to step up and say something. And I recognize when I step into that place that it is maybe the most important time. Um, when I first became a pastor, I must admit, I did not look forward to funerals. I did not want to anybody to die, but it happens. The first funeral that I did in our church was a four-year-old. 
and and I, I just didn't know what to say. But I recognized that that the opportunity at a time like that may be one of the most powerful opportunities you'll get. Because a lot of people will be at a funeral that will never darken the door of a church and are actually not looking for someone to, to preach to them, but they are, they're full of questions. They're full of eternal questions. And so the opportunity to actually say something that, that makes a difference for eternity is huge. And so I've recognized over the years that it may not be the most fun or the thing I look forward to, but it may be the most important thing I get to do. And here I am at this funeral, and it's, it's in this auditorium where there's hundreds of people, and many of them hockey players, same age, and they've just come from two other funerals, which I, you know, I, I, I don't want to say negative things, but I don't think there was any eternal hope that they heard about. And so we get to this funeral, and of course, many things were said before I got up there, and, and typically everybody wants to say something nice, wants to just, you know, Caleb was a great kid, and it really was in so many ways, and they said so many nice, nice things, and, 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 and I got up, and, and I just could not not say what I needed to say. Why? Because it was so important. I needed to grab that opportunity and make a difference. And, and, and I needed to say something that actually let them know in the room, how, how, would, how would you know where you would go? Because that day is coming. Caleb was not expecting that day, but he actually did live this amazing life. He lived a life that I could say, well, if, if Jesus walked on the earth when he was 16, he might've looked like that and acted like that. And so it was great for me to say those things, good about Caleb, but more importantly, what I need to say about everybody in the room. So I said some things like, um, you know, at funerals, and one of the things that kind of bothers me is how often you hear people say things like, well, he's looking down at us. How do you know? Where'd you get that from? Is that a Hallmark card? Or do you actually have something that you, you, you can put a stake in the ground and say, that, that's, that's true, he's, he's looking down at us. Or, you know, so many things we say at funerals. And, and I said, no, you need to know that you know that you know. And here's how you know. When you recognize that God so loved you that he sent his son 2,000 years ago. It's in the history books. Go and look it up. Jesus died on a cross because he loved you. He was the son of God. He didn't need to die. But he rose again three days later and he's alive forevermore. And because of him, we can have this hope of eternity. Because of him, we can have this hope that we will spend eternity with him in heaven. It's not just a hope. It's I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. And that's what it means to be a Christian. And I said that and, and oh, it was interesting because after I sat down, I, I, you know, the, the, the devil does not want you to say those kind of things. And he's got these, these fiery darts that he throws. And what are they? They're, they're these thoughts, the, these, these arguments against what you just said. Well, it was machine gun fiery darts. I've never had such an attack in my life. But after I thought about it, you know, was the attack was, why did you say that? Why didn't you say something nice? Why didn't you just make people feel good in the room? Why did you have to challenge everybody? And, and my answer to what was going on inside of me was, 
I could not not say what I said. Why? Because I have an eternal purpose, and so do you. And because of your eternal purpose, it will actually give you the words to say in the present tense. It'll actually lead you to the place where you can make a difference for eternity. And yeah, I could have said something easy, but I wasn't created for easy, and neither were you. I think about funerals are some of the most important times like that. And another one in my life, which happened a number of years ago, was my younger brother, Joe. I was on the golf course one morning, like usual, and uh, the marshal comes driving up and he, he says, Dr. Burns, there's uh, a call from home. You need to call home. It's an emergency. So I called Helen and she said, my brother Joe was in the hospital and they discovered last night that it, his heart had stopped and they didn't know how long he was out. So they didn't know if his brain survived or not. And I'm racing to the hospital. And all I could think of is if I had one more moment, <laughs> but I didn't. And when I got there, it wasn't nice. His brain hadn't made it. It took us two days to figure that out. But when they did figure it out, my whole family, and I have five brothers, five sisters, now four brothers and five sisters, but um, we were all in the room, plus mom and dad. And uh, they asked me if I'd lead a prayer, being the pastor, and um, you know, lead a song. And we sang Amazing Grace and unplugged him. And uh, it, it, it was a, a moment I'll never forget. But his wife asked that I would say something at the funeral. And uh, because there was an autopsy and it took more than two weeks, I actually flew the next day to Uganda. And I was there teaching, preaching. And I got home the night before the funeral. And I called my sister. And I said, what am I doing at the funeral? And she said, no, you're not doing anything. And... <clears throat> I wasn't really welcome in the church because I used to go be part of that church, Catholic, okay? And when you leave to become a Protestant pastor, um, it's not looked upon, the, you know, that great. And and so, no, you're not doing anything. And I said, I gotta do something. And so, so anyway, I get to the funeral and this place is packed. And my brother was a, a little league kind of hero he was the coach that took them to the World Series two years in a row. And um, so the place was packed again with these young kids that play baseball. They actually lined the, the center aisle like a, um, you know, an honor guard on either side. They're all dressed in their little league uniforms. And they got to the, you know, the part of the service where the, the priest says, at this time, I'd like to invite Joe's two sisters to come and share the eulogy. So my two sisters got up and I just got up with them. <laughs> See, it's easier to get forgiveness than to get permission. But I just walked up behind them and everybody used to see my wife's eyes. What are you doing? And, and, and when they got up and said what they had, they stepped down and I stepped up. And I said, hi, my name's John. I'm obviously Joe's brother, it looks like me. And um, when I heard that his heart had stopped, all I could think of was one more moment. If I just had one more moment, <laughs> what would I say? You know, that's not a difficult question. If you only had one more moment, what would you say? Easy. I would have said, Joe, I love you. I don't know that I said that very often, if at all. Joe, I'm proud of you. And, and, and then I thought, uh, uh, 
I wonder if Joe had one more moment. What would he say? And I turned to his wife and I, and I told her how much he would have said he loved her and was proud of her and she's gonna do great. And, and then he has three teenage sons. And we weren't brought up in a household where we heard I love you and I'm proud of you. So I don't know if they ever heard this, but I, I said, boys, I want you to know what your dad would have said. If he had one more moment, he would absolutely have told you how much he loves you, adores you, and he's so proud of you. And then I turned to everybody and I said, but I don't have one more moment, not with Joe. But I wonder how many Joes you have in your world. Why wait? Take this opportunity. Every day is pregnant with opportunities to change the world. With our eyes fixed on eternity, in the light of eternity, with this eternity in mind, we should expect every day to have opportunity to say something, to do something, to take the next step, to say the next word, which actually makes a difference in someone's life for eternity. See, when you know who you are in Christ. It's like Jesus said, I can't not do what the Father tells me to do. If you know that you are a, a child of God, that he lives on the inside of you, then you know what you can't not do. And you just expect the Holy Spirit is gonna be there and it's gonna help you to do it. But you have to make a difference. You have to make a decision. We are so often sleeping. Why? Because we're not looking. We're not circumspectly expecting that today is full of opportunities and we're missing opportunities. The greatest time to look for opportunities are in the challenging times. Have we ever had a more challenging time? I don't know, I don't think so. When we see people going through whatever it is they go through, we have opportunities. When we go through it, we have opportunities. Suffering, when it meets faith, hope is born. I can't tell you how many people have asked the families of these, these people that have just gone into eternity, how do you do it? And I don't know how people do it without Jesus. Why? Because they don't have that eternal hope, that eternal purpose. But when you do have that eternal purpose, then God will give you the words to say in the moment in the light of eternity. So let me ask you, what can't you not do? Every day when you wake up, what can't you not do? You can't not love the people around you. You can't not speak what God's put in your heart to say. You can't not tell them the words that they need to hear. Recognize you and Jesus are on the same page. He's in you, you're in him. And by his spirit, you have an eternal purpose. I say it like this, every day is full of opportunities. You should be looking for them. And when they come, grab the moment and pour your heart into it. Grab the moment and pour your heart into it and change the world. It's not that hard. Often when I talk to especially a bunch of young people and I get to, to say something like this, I'll leave with this simple request. Just, just, just please, just do me one favor. 
What? What? Change the world. You can do it. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for Life Church. I thank you for the body of Christ right here that has the eternal purpose, that it has hope, hope beyond anything we could see around us. And because of that, God, I thank you for opportunities. Every day is full of those opportunities. We can grab one of them, pour our heart into it, say what needs to be said, do the things that need to be done, expect that, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. And because of you, we can do all things. We can make a difference. Thank you, Lord, that our life actually can make a difference for eternity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church Audio Podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.